Hi, glad you're with us. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Toll free, our number, it always remains the same, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Look, I love what what Kevin McCarthy is now calling this COVID. It's wrong to say this is a COVID relief plan at this point. The more we dig down deep into what is in this this bill, how many of you knew or know that two-thirds of the $1.9 trillion, what the Democrats are calling a COVID bill, which it's not, well, two-thirds of the money can't be spent until 2023. Some's not even, some isn't allocated till 2024, and a lot is not spent until 2022. It is not what they're telling you it is. It is, well, I thought it was actually a pretty good way to put it, uh, McCarthy calling it the Pelosi payoff. You have, and, and pay, if you live in a red state and you voted for a fiscally responsible government, that means governor, lieutenant governor, that means state senators, state legislators, assemblymen, whatever you call them in your state. If you voted for people that are fiscally responsible, don't raise taxes, maybe you don't even have a state income tax, like Texas, Florida, and and some other states. Well, guess what? Because you're going to be paying for all these big blue state bailouts that are coming as a result of this bill. Now, Democrats are swearing, they're vowing, they're they're vowing they're going to pass this thing and ram it down your throat on Friday. They're going to move with a vote Friday on this $1.9 trillion, what they're calling COVID relief package. I like the Pelosi payoff a lot better. And Steady Hoyer is saying that the body would vote by the end of the week. The American people strongly support this bill. They don't know what the hell's in the bill. Most people, I guarantee you, most Democrats don't know what's in this bill. You know, we got to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. We're back to those good old days again. And when you look at it, you got union pension bailouts, blue state, you know, bailouts, uh, you've got Planned Parenthood gets a fortune. Universities get a fortune. National Endowment for the Humanities and the Arts, that gets a fortune, too. And and then you've got the Pelosi payoff and the Schumer payoff. You got, let's see, they came back to Washington, $100 million for a tunnel. Now, tell me how this is COVID relief money. $100 million for a tunnel in Silicon Valley, as if Silicon Valley is not fiscally rich enough. Uh, just outside of Nancy Pelosi's district or the bridge for Chucky Schumer or money for schools of which two thirds can't be spent until 2023. A lot of this money is in the earmark till 2022, then 2023, then 2024 even. How does that help people because of draconian shutdown efforts that have been forced out of their business? You know, everything is going to start hitting home. Look, I've, I've tell people asking me every single day, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Just engage. Now, we're going to go over a segment later in the program today. I'm going to talk about what you need to do with state legislatures, because right now we want to make sure, like in Florida after 2000 and the election debacle that that was and 2016 and the election debacle that that was, Ron DeSantis cleaned it up. We've proven we can clean it. If you want integrity and confidence in elections and results and you want to bypass this H.R. 1, which I've been giving you all the details of and I'll go through again today. But if you want to do it, that's where it's going to begin. 
And you better now pay attention today and tomorrow and this month and next month and the month after because the elections are going to happen uh, sooner than you know it. And if you wait to the summer of 2022, it's, I'll tell you right now, it'll be too late. And they're trying to bake in all of these shifts and all of these changes that they put in place. They don't want any voter ID. I mean, I'll give you the list if you're interested. I mean, this is important. There is some horrifying language in this. They don't want any voter ID. But if you want to get into the Capitol, if you want to get into the Democratic National Convention, you need a picture ID. Why don't you need one to vote? So just so we can all have confidence in the system. Thought the New York Times was the, were the ones telling us that voting by mail lends itself the most to corruption. Okay, well, they they, they want to include all of this where they they want automatic voter registration. Well, why? Because then they have voter roll. They don't even want to clean out the rolls that we have that we know are not up to date. They that should be done as a matter of you know a, an annual course of business. They want to expand early and absentee voting. They want felons to vote. They want to literally mainstream the vote-by-mail process uh, where you're not going to ever be able to have true voter ID. That's what, the, that's what they're now trying to do. So the first order of business, for those of you that ask me, what do I do now, is get in touch with your assemblymen, your state legislator, your state senators, your governors, and let them know, no, you don't support it. Then you can get in touch with the, these idiots in Washington in the swamp and the sewer and tell them, don't support H.R. 1. And if they because if they do, it's going to be I, I mean, could end up where Republicans don't win again. Conservatives don't win again. They want these independent commissions in every state as it relates to the states and, and the census every 10 years. So then they can set up the districts that they want. No, that's why that's that's the role of state legislatures. I mean, is there anything constitutional that they support now? Now that we're pretty much live in a country that is governed by executive fiat of one branch, the executive branch, bypassing the other co-equal branch of government. There are three of them, but one of them is the legislative branch. Now we just bypass them and sign everything through in executive orders. Now, Bernie Sanders is saying we need a $15 mandate minimum wage and we're going to need an executive order or to get rid of the legislative filibuster to do it. Well, I'm telling you, in the end, they're going to end up doing it. Elections matter. The electoral system matters also. Anyway, so these reports say, I mean, look, it's what's so hard about voter ID? What's so hard about confirming the the legitimacy of voter rolls? What's so hard about signature verification? What's so hard about if you have a state constitution and you don't like what the constitution says, well, you, you don't get to just bypass it through the legislature, which requires far fewer votes than it would take to amend the constitution. How about we stick to the rule of law, the constitution? How about we stick to the you know, things that matter? And then you take it further. They want now a commission that's going to determine what are honest ads and not honest ads. Now, in the Democrats' mind, they think they run honest campaigns. And every two and four years, Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, and want dirty air, water, and take your grandma in a wheelchair and throw her off a cliff. Uh, is that who's going to determine the honesty of an ad? That would be the role of your opponent in an election cycle. 
It's not the role of some government bureaucratic bureaucracy to determine we like your ads, we don't like your ads. I, I mean, now we're getting it. They want to eliminate Citizens United. That's there's a very simple, basic, fundamental landmark Supreme Court ruling ensuring free speech. Now, are there people in this country that have more money than others? Yep. If they want to express their feelings and spend their money, should they be allowed to? Yep. Uh, we have billionaires all over the, the socialists advocating billionaires spending a fortune, donating to causes to get shows like this canceled. But that's that is what is at stake here. This is not a small deal. This is a big deal. So if you got nine percent of this Pelosi payoff Schumer payoff bill under the guise of covid relief and you're not even going to be spending the monies immediately, then why are we spending the money at all? You go through it. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing. My work has kept me in New York long enough, to be honest, because I'm, I'm paying through the nose. Now, here's an interesting thing. Donald Trump's tax bill prevented me from deducting the 10% state income tax I have in the state of New York. And I said at the time, and I say now, it was the right thing to do. Because states that don't have state income taxes, they didn't have the benefit that people in high high tax states had to deduct their state income tax. That was a benefit and a payoff to big blue states that are fiscally irresponsible. Okay, that wasn't right. That wasn't just. I ended up paying more, not less, based on the president's tax bill. Was it the right thing to do? Yep. Why should... Why should citizens in Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, why should red state residents be basically shut out of a huge tax benefit by and and, and meanwhile they, they are punished for electing fiscally responsible politicians? That's dumb. Now all this money, you got all these big blue states with all these high taxes. And all these budget deficits and all this bloated spending, they're now, you know, the, the rubber's meeting the road here. And now they're demanding that Biden give them, I mean, billions and billions of dollars coming from all over the country. And frankly, if this bill was passed and the bailout of New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, Michigan and California, the United Socialist Utopia, California. If that happens, I would actually be the beneficiary. And I am telling all of you in a red state, I do not deserve it, nor does anyone else. New York needs to reap what they have sown here. My work has kept me here. But but it's the people of New York that have elected people that are fiscally irresponsible for decades. They have elected people that overspend, overtax, don't balance their budgets and don't fund their pensions. Now, it shouldn't be the people that elect fiscally responsible governors and state legislators and senators that have to bail out the states that didn't do that. Then you're rewarding the states for their irresponsible behavior. And they need to, if you, you voted for it, you should own it. I believe, you know, you believe in, but now we're talking about federalism. 
just like Florida doesn't have a state income tax. Texas doesn't have one. People there, why should they balance their budget? They fund their pensions. Why should there be a bailout for, for these high spending blue states? I mean, you get into this bill, it is mind numbing what is in this thing. I mean, really, we're going to have the Chucky Schumer payoff of $1.5 million maintenance of the Seaway International Bridge between Messina, New York, and Canada. How does that, how in any way is that related to COVID relief? How is Nancy Pelosi's $100 million tunnel in Silicon Valley benefiting COVID relief? And the callousness by which, you know, look at the price of gas as a result of, of Joe's energy prices. Look at uh, energy policies. Look at the jobs lost because of the stroke of a pen. Highly skilled, very specific, skilled, career jobs, six-figure paying jobs, wiped out with the stroke of a pen. And we're all going to make Russia, the Iranian mullahs, Middle Eastern countries that hate us, and China rich. How does that help the average trucker? How does that help the average homeowner? How does that help heat your house at a lower rates and air condition your home at lower rates? And, and what does that do to the price of a gallon of gas at the pump? And if the truckers pay more, guess what? You're going to pay more for every item in every store and everything you buy because of this stupidity. This, and this is just the beginning. Red states are going to be punished under this so-called COVID relief package. That's the Pelosi-Schumer payoff package. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, the Pelosi-Schumer payoff. Yep, big blue state bailout uh, bill, non-COVID Pension bailout, Planned Parenthood bailout, National Endowment for the Arts, Humanities bailout, Schumer's Bridge, Pelosi's Tunnel. You know, red states will be punished for Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus aid package. And let me tell you, they're going to ram this through. Mark my words. Now, if you have, even though there's a, a very close margin between Democrats, Republicans in the House, it won't matter. Are they going to they will find a way to do this. That is their aim. And Joe Biden will sign whatever they put on a, their desk. Now, OK, the fourteen hundred dollar direct payments to many Americans, four hundred dollars per week, jobless benefit supplement. There, there are things that need look people that need help desperately. If you really want to help people desperately, maybe you shouldn't be handing out so many pink slips and getting rid of the low fuel prices we have by eliminating our energy independence, which we finally achieved for the first time in 75 years. Oh, yeah, and it'll pay for abortions, NEA-defined art, whatever that means. Uh, finally, Republicans are united, it seems, against this. McCarthy's saying that he, doesn't, he hasn't found a single Republican that supports this. But it's basically it's a payoff to Pro Progressives Act. It's a payoff. It's it's old style, predictable pork barrel spending by Washington swamp sewer bureaucrats. And this is why elections matter. You look at the amount of money, you look at the entire package and you see how much of this is over a trillion wasted in spending in this bill. Nine percent spent on fighting a pandemic. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. I was just listening to Joe mumbling and trying to read his teleprompter. And he actually asked this question. He goes, well, what, for the critics that say this is too much money, what would you have me cut out? Let's start with Pelosi's tunnel. 
Let's start there. And then we can cut out Schumer's bridge. There you go. I'll give you a, a more extensive list as uh, as the day and night goes on. Here's the other odd thing. You think of this this blue state bailout in this bill and the pork and everything in between. You know, what happened down in Texas and Oklahoma was real. Governor Abbott asked that the entire state get, you know, natural disaster relief status. Why didn't the president, Joe, weak, frail, cognitively struggling, he's like staring like a zombie at one prompter. He's not even like moving side to side. It's very, very strange. Anyway, um, I'm watching this. Why didn't he declare every county? Because every county was impacted in Texas. People in Texas, I don't care if you were in Houston, Dallas, Austin, wherever you are, were impacted by the same. A lot of people in Oklahoma. I mean, you have all these people, you know, that lost, you know, heat at the height of, you know, this winter emergency, this once in a hundred year storm that they had down there. Well, I guess, well, they didn't vote for Joe Biden. I guess maybe that, that factor in. Um, you know, I'm I'm watching everything that is now happening with Andrew Cuomo. And I'm watching this. What's fascinating about this is everybody loved Cuomo. Everybody. There was a point when he was doing his PowerPoints that were so authoritative that his staff would put together every day. And uh, look, if you're from New York, odds are pretty good you can talk a lot. Just, I'm just saying, I'm just being honest here. You're from New York, you talk a lot, right? So he was able to appear like he was in command. He did it with great authority. Authoritative, you know, PowerPoints he's given every day. And at one point he had an 87% approval rating. Now, I was here on the ground in New York and I knew exactly what was going on. Now, it turns out we have, what, seven specific studies, starting with the Henry Ford study, the Sinai study, foreign studies about, yeah, taken early, hydroxychloroquine helped. No one wanted to listen to Dr. Daniel Wallace, the foremost expert that said the risk of, of taking it was zero. Nil was his word. Nobody couldn't get it in a pharmacy. You had to go to the hospital. If you didn't have COVID going in, you had it going out. I can promise you. When New York hospitals at that time. But Trump never got credit for the hospitals he built, the ones he converted for COVID, the manning the hospitals, the PPE for the hospitals, the ventilators that that Cuomo or the mayor never purchased for New York. And it just it was a little infuriating to me. And then there was this back and forth love and hate relationship with him and Trump, whatever. I, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. And I'm now watching it's. It's not Republicans in New York that are looking to impeach and get rid of Cuomo. This is not a Republican effort. These are all Democrats. And, you know, it's pretty fascinating. You know, every day we now find out more and more and more. First, starting with the whistleblower saying, yeah, we purposely we didn't want the Justice Department having the real numbers of deaths in the nursing homes. And they kept that information even from state legislators and senators, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you've got this woman who comes out. Um, I don't even want to use these words. They now have a second woman corroborating these sexual misconduct allegations. Now, I'm not going to be like the Democrats. In other words, if you remember during the Kavanaugh hearings, the I Believers 
Not only do women like Dr. Ford, who bravely comes forward, need to be heard, but they need to be believed. They need to be believed. I just want to say to the men of this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing. Let me just say right at the outset, I believe Dr. Ford, I believe the survivor here. I believe her. I stand with her. And Do you hope I don't she shows she, up on Monday? Do you hope that she testifies? I don't think she should be bullied into this scenario. I believe her. I believe Professor Ford. I think she's credible. Oh, I believe her. Do you believe the allegations against Cuomo? Look, I'm going to tell you where I stand. I believe in due process and the presumption of innocence. It, it, it Should it be taken seriously? Of course. But we're consistent on this show. I know you can't expect that from Democrats, but more and more. But you notice it is the Democratic Party that has turned on him. This is not a Republican-led effort by any means. The bullying allegations, these are all Democrats. Democrats are, are pointing out that he was hiding this information about nursing homes. Now, Miranda Devine just cracks me up in the New York Post. You know, it's the next item, nothing to do with the sexual harassment allegations, but Miranda Devine's column today, during the height of the pandemic, Cuomo actually made a $12 million payment to a Chinese sex toy store. I, I, I have no way to corroborate this. It just made me laugh when I read it. She writes, on top of it all, he was a chump. He paid $12 million to a Chinese sex toy store named Please Me. In court, apparently thinking he's buying a 1,000 ventilators and taxpayers now in New York have to pay millions more in legal fees to sue the company because they didn't get they didn't get the ventilators. Or maybe they had a very different and I don't even want to explore what the definition of their ventilator is. I don't know what they thought it was. I have an idea what might have happened. It might have they might have misread ventilator. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. I have no idea. Can you imagine the media, what they'd be saying if Donald Trump had spent millions of taxpayer dollars at a Chinese sex toy store? Oh, you can't make this stuff up. Um, anyway, it's this is getting loud. You have a former staffer of Andrew Cuomo now coming forward to corroborate the sexual misconduct allegations dropped by this woman. We know her name, Lindsay Boylan. And Boylan accused Cuomo of, of repeatedly making unwanted sexual advances to her, unwanted touching, kissing, embarrassing sexual remarks in front of colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. I, look, I don't know. I think, you know, Cuomo's denying it. Time will tell. Um, you have a former female staffer, and I'm reading from the Daily News, which is a big Cuomo-supporting newspaper, quoting another second woman who worked with Bill de Blasio and Cuomo and accused both men of practicing, and this is a direct quote, penis politics, served as on the press teams of both de Blasio, Comrade de Blasio, and Cuomo, blasting both of them in this op-ed in the Daily News entitled How to Counter, quote, Penis Politics. Welcome to the New York world of tabloid newspapers. But that's what it says. Um, time will tell on a lot of this, but there's definitely now a full-on effort to impeach Cuomo, just like there's a full-on effort to recall Gavin Newsom. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, um, pretty amazing times we have here. So there is a flashback 
words come back to mean something for politicians. Cuomo once called for Brett Kavanaugh to take a lie detector test. Does, would he take it? Is that a fair comment in light of these allegations? You know, where are all the women, though, in the Democratic Party? Where are all the Kavanaugh I believers? Because they've been silent. Hillary Clinton, silent. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Senator Blumenthal, and the people that you just heard from that went along with, I believe, I believe, I believe, because they didn't want Brett Kavanaugh on the U.S. Supreme Court. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez last week joined GOP critics of Cuomo calling for an investigation into the nursing home crisis. She didn't respond to comments of other things. Where's the National Organization for Women? The double standard is real, and it's just something we have to accept, I guess, because we're never, no matter how many times we talk about it, it still remains. ABC, CBS, NBC avoided any discussion about this. Newsbusters points out the networks that breathlessly reported all the unverified, eventually even proven false allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Well, they're not even mentioning this story. Cuomo apparently, according to Yahoo News, is looking for a new spokesperson and his office posted an ad describing their immediate need for such a person in regards to the nursing home scandal. The Senate's going to hold a confirmation hearing today for the Biden health nominee who has, you know, her own nursing home scandal. Dr. Levine, the pick for the assistant health secretary, you know, saying she's ready for the job, but this Health and Human Services nominee moved mother out, mother out of a care facility as she directed nursing homes to take COVID patients. She actually, do we really want that person as Health and Human Services secretary, knowing how dumb that decision ended up being? I mean, it's pretty crazy. Now we have the Biden campaign. According to this new book is out. This is pretty interesting. I saw it on foxnews.com. Biden advisor Anita Dunn. Remember Anita Dunn? Anyway, top advisor to Biden describing the coronavirus pandemic as, quote, the best thing that ever happened to Biden, according to this new book. Dunn's comments, uh, campaign officials believed, but he would never wouldn't say in public that he barely won the presidency. This book is scheduled for release, I guess, sometime next week. Bombshell comment first reported uh, yesterday by The Guardian, which obtained an early copy of the book. Jen Psaki wouldn't answer that question yet. I guess she's going to circle back with us on that. Uh, This whole issue of holding kids in cages is the most immoral thing Biden ever saw in his life. Yeah, well, we pretty much debunked that myth on this show and on TV last night. Those cages were built by Biden and Obama. Those videos that they showed in 2018 saying Donald Trump did it were actually videos from the Biden-Obama administration. Pretty unbelievable, but totally predictable, right? You have now New York is considering sports betting, and they're considering expanding these casinos. They have a lot of video gaming parlors like at Aqueduct and other places now they're offering other gaming as well and, and spreading that out as a means of raising money. The best way New York could get out of their financial mess, pretty simple. All they'd have to do is frack, just like what Pennsylvania did, and it helped them so much. 
Um, so anyway, we're watching all of this and we'll see what happens. The time to impeach is now, according to the New York Post today. It's a very much harder process than they have out in California. They have that recall process out there. It looks like they have the signatures now to have a recall election against Gavin Newsom, and that's moving forward. It's pretty amazing, though, when you compare the reaction down in Florida to Governor DeSantis or Christy Noma was on TV last night. You don't get a larger population of older people than in Florida with very crowded cities, just like New York, crowded areas. And the one thing that never changed, even though experts got everything else wrong, was that the people that are older with underlying conditions and compromised immune systems and people that had comorbidities were the most at risk. That never changed. And if we would have just focused on them from the beginning, it would have been a lot better. Um, a couple of other things going on in, in terms of politics. Finally, Republicans are demanding answers on why is it that Biden's people were having back channel negotiations while Trump was president with the Iranians? I mean, you got this, you know, for example, current State Department Iran envoy Robert Malley and climate change envoy John Kerry, both who played a leading roles in crafting the Obama era nuclear deal with Tehran or engaging apparently with the Iranian foreign minister uh, Zarif over the past four years. Wasn't that the very thing that I thought they didn't like and accused General Flynn of? Just remembering. Yeah, wasn't it the idea that he was he was talking to his soon to be counterpart when he was going to be national security advisor? Congressman McCall of Texas, I hope Mr. Malley and other senior administration officials who engage with Zarif as private citizens take the good faith step of clarifying their engagement to members of Congress. That's something to pay attention to. A lot of people are wondering what the president's going to say at CPAC. I don't know the answer. My guess is he's going to ask for three things. Well, he's going to do three things. I think he's going to say, okay, we need election integrity and confidence on our electoral system, so what happened in 2020 doesn't ever happen again. You know, partisan observers do need to observe elections. I think he will prosecute the case against the Biden agenda as being disastrous and setting the country backwards and probably lay out what will become the, the America first, make America great again agenda moving forward. Because if Republicans don't fight and stand for something, they're not going to earn the votes of the American people. Then we're going to be stuck with these socialist policies forever. Good luck getting rid of them. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So we've been talking a lot. If Republicans ever want to win an election again, and I'm sure some of you say, well, I don't want to talk about the election anymore. Okay, I don't want to talk about the election either, except that if you don't fix the things that need to be fixed, we have the Democratic Party now trying to advance an agenda through H.R. 1 that would forever, and I mean forever, memorialize the changes that we were told were being made for the very purpose of election in integrity. Um, they want this to be the mainstay. They don't want voter ID. They want as much mail-in balloting. Now, forget Donald Trump or what Donald Trump thinks about it for a second. 
The New York Times said it lends itself to corruption. The AP has said such. And if you look at what they're now fighting for, they want automatic registration. um, And that's just only a part of it. They want to restore voting rights for felons. They want to streamline the vote by mail process. And Republicans better come up with their own plan of of educating people on how to do it, how to do it well, the right way. Ron DeSantis showed us it can be done and problems can be fixed out in Florida. They should be fixed everywhere. Um, we as a country just simply deserve, and I would think Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liber- liberals would agree that you want you want elections that have integrity and that people have confidence in the results in. And Democrats would swing elections in their favor. They want independent commissions in each state instead of redistricting, et cetera, et cetera. That happens with legislatures. Um, no, that that if they want to be in charge of the census in their individual states, they need to win the state legislatures. That's the way it happens. Anyway, they have the Disclose Act that they're going to what have a government honesty bureau that'll determine whether an ad is truthful or not truthful. Well, that's up to the other campaign to point out if they think that somebody's not telling the truth in an election campaign. Now, I think simple, basic, fundamental things need to be restored, like your signature verification. You should only have one standard and it should be a rigorous standard. I think voter ID are you who you say you are? I think that's that should be mandatory. I think if you're going to have, quote, drop boxes, well, I would think that you would have an ability to monitor chain of custody of ballots. That would be another big issue. And, you know, the fact that in Wisconsin, the case that took place there in the four three decision where the chief uh, justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court dissenting until until this court gets the courage to make the changes and follow the law, these problems will keep happening. Very similar to Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito's dissent, when the Supreme Court punted on taking on the Pennsylvania case, which is a constitutional issue because they have a state constitution in Pennsylvania that that prohibits and limits, with very rare exceptions, mail-in balloting. And that process of amending the Constitution was bypassed by the state legislature well that's not the lawful way to do things if you're going to have statutory language that says partisan observers should be able to observe well they should be able to observe now why am i bringing it up now i'm bringing it up now because if you bring it up in let's say the summer of 2022 it's too late to get the integrity the confidence in the electoral system you, you need to make changes now. Now, I'll even say this. I don't think anybody can say with any confidence in 2000, for example, George W. Bush, Supreme Court decision, uh, in that particular case, a very narrow ruling uh, uh, by the justices. But in the end, do, do we think we ever got the real number of voters in 2000? Because I would argue I don't think so. Do we really know... If there's integrity in the voting system, most people say no. All those people that signed affidavits under the penalty of perjury, some of them were pretty impressive. The ones that we interviewed on this program and on TV. Anyway, getting it right has got to be job one. David Schoen, the president's attorney, civil rights lawyer, Don Brown, uh, former U.S. Navy JAG officer, author, author of the book, Travesty of Justice. Welcome both of you to the program. 
I assume you both agree with me, David, we'll start with you, that the time to fix or resolve issues like they did in Florida after 2016, which made 2020 go smoothly, it needs to be done now. Yeah. First of all, you just gave probably the best lesson on all of these issues with respect to election law that I've ever heard any place. You covered all the issues. You're 100 percent right on the timing. And the courts have said that also. I have to say that, you know, you mentioned the Pennsylvania case, Republican Party of Pennsylvania versus DeGraffery three days ago. Justice Thomas, Justice Alito and Gorsuch have it exactly right. And this goes to your timing issue. They, you know, the court rejected this case, finding that the challenges were moot. There's a whole body of mootness, uh, of mootness jurisprudence that's special to election cases. Election cases are always capable of repetition, yet evading review. That means it's too short a time period to litigate the cases, and these issues are going to come up again and again. They will be repeated. That's why the court should have taken that case, and that case presented the perfect vehicle to raise all of these issues. Changes made not by the legislature, but by uh, courts. Uh, without any authorization. Uh, we're talking about changing dates on ballots. We're talking about changing the dates ballots had to be received by, effectively changing when the election day is. I just want to read you one thing. This is, sums it up what Justice Thomas said, and this is your, what you said. And this should be President Trump's mantra. Elections are of the most fundamental significance under our constitutional structure. structure. Through them, we exercise self-government, but elections enable self-governance only when they include processes that give citizens, including the losing candidates and supporters, confidence in the fairness of the election. That's what President Trump is saying. We have to have a system that's fair. You want to call it fraud, not fraud? It's changing the rules at the last minute. Everyone has an interest in the integrity of the system. Your take, Don Brown. Well, my take and following my friend David Schoen, who did one heck of a job dismissing this impeachment sham with a little time to prepare, is this. That, uh, you know, there was a a song in the Civil War called The Battle Cry of Freedom that became the song adopted by the Union troops who wanted abolition. Well, election integrity is today's battle cry of freedom. And David, just in, in that few seconds, outlined the number of the procedural problems that we've seen all throughout the country. In the six swing states, and I would throw Minnesota in on top of that to make it seven, whether it's Georgia, you know, just uh, with the problems they had in, in, um, in, in basically uh, throwing out 100,000 votes that should have... You look at Georgia alone, you have 100,000 votes that don't meet procedural standards within the state, which should have been questioned even before you get to um, absentee ballots. So uh, Justice Thomas has nailed it on the head. He's sounding the clarion call that if we don't deal with it now, as David said when he quoted that acceptance of the mootness doctrine, this is capable of repetition yet evading review. Now, there is one part of Justice Thomas' dissent that I would very respectfully disagree with, and I love Justice Thomas, when he says the decision to rewrite the rules seemed to have affected too few ballots to change the outcome of any federal election. I would say with great respect to one of the greatest justices in American history, I don't agree with that because there hasn't been a hearing on that yet. We don't know. And not only must we examine the procedural irregularities now, before we slip into becoming a constitutional republic to a banana republic, not only must we examine the procedural irregularities, but we must have a meaningful audit of the votes. Even if that part is mute, the American public deserves to know. From what I've seen, I, I think that it would make a difference, and we can't lose sight of that either, John. There, there are three big problems I saw in the last election that I, I really felt needed significant real judicial review, and that was denied in the Pennsylvania case, which I just described, and that is the legislature bypassing 
the the amendment to a const the state constitutional process, which would need which would have needed many more votes and more difficult to do. Otherwise, you have to abide by the state constitution. All right. That's one. I didn't like the consent agreement in Georgia at all. And they bypassed the legislature. And it was the the secretary of state in that particular case that went into this agreement after lawsuits by the uh, Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic senatorial campaign committees and congressional committees. And you can't have it, two differing standards of signature verification. That was a result of that consent agreement. Bad idea. Wisconsin, they were literally people were, were getting mail in ballots and the way they were getting them were they were setting up. At parks, people can come and sign up and say that you're incapable of leaving your home to go vote. But you had to leave your home to go vote by mail. And and I thought that the chief justice in the dissent was brutal in pointing out the danger and not addressing it at the time, David. But to me, those were the three most egregious. Michigan, not far behind Wisconsin. Uh, again, you're right on. And the overall problem with all of this is we elect a legislature to make our rules. The, you know, the United States Constitution gives the states the, uh, the right to regulate the manner of elections. But the, it has to be done by the legislature. I'll give you an example. I took on a case because I don't like these rules changes. I took on a case in November last year uh, for a socialist candidate trying to get on the ballot for president in D.C., in D.C., uh, they changed all of the rules because of COVID. By the way, I'll forgive you for representing the socialists, but go ahead. <laughs> right. And so, but the point is, the point is, that wasn't going to have any impact on the election, but they still had to convene the legislature in D.C. to change the rules so that she would get on the ballot. They knew they were going to lose the case, so they did it. That's the process. The process does matter. We elect these people as a legislature. They're the ones constitutionally uh, permitted to do it. And these fly-by-night, you know, last-minute decisions, literally, you, just, you changed election day in some of these states. Let me get to you, Don, and, and say, okay, now, if state legislatures, because constitutionally it's, it's their power to establish the system within their respective states uh, on voting issues— so it's really going to be the state legislators. I know people might be thinking, well, let me let me talk to my congressman or my congresswoman. But the danger of H.R. 1 is they want to usurp that constitutional authority of the state legislature. You knocked it out of the ballpark, Sean. H.R. 1 is unconstitutional after the out of the gate. And uh, David just alluded to the federal constitutions deferring to state legislatures. Article 1, Section uh, 4, Clause 1, the times, place, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Now, Congress... Um, can can has part of uh, part of uh, a say in that, but it's primarily in the legislature's power. So HR one is a, an attempt to federalize the elections process, which the Constitution clearly puts on state legislatures. Okay, and uh, and and not only that, but what we have seen, as you alluded to earlier in Georgia, with Raffensperger's uh, consent order, his consent agreement, or or bypassing the Pennsylvania Constitution, all this cuts to the heart of the federal Constitution. These actions are unconstitutional. And if we don't get a hold of them and review them now, they're going to get it worse. And, and, you know, here's the thing. These problems have to be solved, in my view, from the bottom up. We've got to get into these states like Georgia and Arizona and elect pro-America legislatures who are going to take control of the elections processes. 
it seems to me, because the courts have basically stuck their heads in the sand like an ostrich is afraid of its shadow. And we have to be bold about this and, and work at every manner, uh, locally and in the courts as well, as David has done so brilliantly. But we just can't give up the fight. I don't think we can give up the fight, but the time to, to, to get these battles. And, and it's, it's not even... It's, I, I don't know why this would even be viewed as so controversial. The oddest thing to me is to, you can't get in a Democratic National Convention. You can't get in the Capitol unless you have photo ID. Now, I find it perfectly reasonable and the right thing to do. Same with getting on an airplane. You have to say who you are and, and what's the big deal. But the Democrats are adamant about this. They want felons to vote. They want everybody registered. They want all mail-in balloting, and they want no voter ID. Uh, seems like they're doing this for nefarious purposes to me, David Schoen. Yeah, you know, these. Uh, I, I've never really understood the voter ID. I hear the argument that they make. I've never taken one of those cases. I've been approached about them a number of times. There are some fundamental principles that you've hit on that just seems like it's fair. You know, you ask the question, so wh- why are these things controversial? It's unimaginable that they're so controversial. The fact is, you know, who right now would have benefited from, uh, you know, fair elections and from holding them to the rules? That's part of the problem. I'll tell you right now, though, you want to really make it big. You need to start teaching a course in a law school on election law. You're really hitting these issues hard. And uh, I think that's your I, second I, You're career. kind to say that, but I'll let you handle the legal aspects, <laughs> and I'm never going to defend a socialist. <laughs> I'm yeah. just teasing. Uh, but, but you know I, what? I you're right. If, if, if somebody Democratic goes through the process... And legitimately gets on the ballot. They deserve to be on the ballot, whether I agree with them or not. That's just me being consistent and fair. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Toll free, our number 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. We've been having such great calls lately. We're going to continue. We'll start with Price, Florida. Next, Sean Hannity Show. Price, you're living in paradise, and I am, I am being stupid staying in New York. Welcome to the program. Hey Sean, it's, it's Price. Um, I just hey, want to make a real. Hey Sean, I just wanted to make a real quick couple of sharp points about the Democrats and about election fraud and about the pervasive corruption that's throughout our government. So okay, okay, I'm listening. Nancy, a, while, a while back, Nancy said that anybody that wanted to set Trump free or whatever, not convict him, um, should have no respect for the institutions. The well, who does have any respect for the institutions these days? I mean, where's all the whistleblowers on the FBI? You know what I'm saying? Anytime Trump would ever make any kind of move, everybody was suing him and blocking him, and you know he was so terrible. But the Democrats are doing exactly what they were doing in the 30s. So yeah. I mean, listen. What's, what's, here's the thing: there's a feeling that I know some people have. Because you're talking about institutional corruption. I've been, I've been talking about the, the institutional corruption for a long time. And they, they, there comes feelings for some people that become overwhelming, is that you think it's so corrupt, it's so bad, it's so horrible, we're never going to be able to fix it. And, and maybe, we, maybe we ultimately can't. But that doesn't mean you give up and you don't, you, you don't keep fighting for the things that we know work conservatism exactly, exactly. works yeah is is it a little odd that that all this faith and hope was put in one hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower and then when you have other whistleblowers that are real whistleblowers they're ignored yeah that that would be very frustrating i totally get it 
Is that all part of the Washington, D.C. swamp? Yep, that's what you got. Exactly. Is Okay, so now this is also a thing. They're continuously screaming for five years that Trump is not above the law. Nobody's above the law. Nobody. Except for them, of course, in Georgia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, I does mean, that, so does that surprise you? Come, I mean, no, you know, I, I think we're no, well past figuring that impeached. out. How come none of those people are getting impeached? Like, well, like, did they Georgia, care about quid you know? pro quo, Joe? There's a perfect example. One example right there. Did they care about quid and a pro and a quo with Joe and zero experience Hunter? No, no. The media let this guy hide in his basement. The candidate protection program. They protect him the whole way. Look, it's I, I tell people I have a lot of young people that work for me over the years. And, and I try to give good advice to all of them. I always say money is freedom. I try to give everybody a Christmas. I don't try. I give everybody a Christmas bonus every year. And I just send a message with the bonus. And the message, Linda, is. Money is freedom. Money is freedom. Save your money. Record. Money is freedom. And I'm like, don't take this money and blow it. Save it. You know, maybe that's your first home. Maybe you save a few years. You got money for a down payment for a house or whatever. But money is freedom. And a lot of people waste a lot of money in life. I've never been a big money waster. I, I mostly give it away. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I end up doing. But putting all that aside. Um, anyway, but... We can change course here. There is an ebb and flow to political cycles. The, 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 the cause of liberty, freedom, and the principles of conservatism work. And they're worth us being fully engaged and not feeling sorry for ourselves because things didn't work out the way we wanted. You know, I know, I, I mean, I remember when Democrats in the media mob and Donald Trump selected. I mean, they went, they lost their minds. I, I have not lost my mind here. I'm still the same person with the same values and same principles and still advocating things that I'm passionate about. And that's if we all, they are so overreaching. It's going to be easier than you think. Give this a year to percolate and, and let's see where we are. Um, I remember 10 years ago in 2010, well, around April of 2010, I remember exactly when it was, around tax day, that uh, I was down at a huge rally in Georgia, and I was shocked. There was over 20,000 people watching us do the TV show. John Rich performed that night. One of the people there I haven't talked to in a long time was Amber in Perry, Georgia. At the time, she had pink hair. I, uh, and, and, and we, I, how long has it been since you called the program? I thought you, what, you don't like us anymore? Well, let me tell you how it went. Mr. Oh Hannity said, why don't you guys have a kid? And I said, okay. <laughs> well, Anyways, well, we had a kid meaning and you just, and your husband, I yes, I did say that. How well, old was the, is that world. child today? She's sitting right here. She wants to say, hey, in a minute. She's eight. Go, God, she's like a tiny wife, dude. You didn't tell me all that. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't Good even want to gracious. touch that. Oh, She's man. a tiny woman. Let me just say that much. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, gosh. I it, by the way, if you think I... eight is hard, buckle up. That's nothing. Wait till they're 15. Then talk to me. I I was a teenage girl. I am I am terrified. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, well, I know I can't. I, well, listen, I you saw it. you with pink hair. I met you with pink hair. I know you yeah. were probably... You still don't have pink hair, do you? No, it's blue. <laughs> Is it really? Who 
<laughs> yeah, she wants to say hey, but she's still a little bitter that uh, Santa wouldn't bring her the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, is that run. what she wanted? Like, for, what, so what's your daughter's name again? I forgot. It's Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. Callen. All right, let me say hi to Callen, eight-year-old Callen. Come here. Hey, Callen, oh, how yeah, are yeah. you? I'm really sorry about what happened to Rush. Uh, yeah, we all are. Our hearts are broken. Callan, all I can say is you have a good mom, a loving mom and dad, and to the extent you can listen to them, I would highly advise it. And maybe get your fashion tips elsewhere. Just saying. Um, just hey teasing, now. Amber. But, you know, I'll tell you, it's like what I find about kids that is just fascinating. They're all individuals. You, can, you, can, you cannot shape them and mold them into what you think you want them to be. You just can't. You can try all you want. They're going to do what they want to do. And, you know, you can guide them and steer them. Like, I'm a big believer in discipline. And by discipline for me, it was never what my father took off the belt and whacked me. It was, let me, all right, give me your your phone. Okay, PlayStation. I'm going to bust it in the driveway. Uh, Whatever it happened to be that they wanted the most is what I'd take away. And by the way, that works. It's my father had the ability. I don't know why my parents, they should have taken the radio away from me instead of telling me to turn it down. Right. Anyway. My parents were mean, but um, I was, I don't know. I can always count on you to kind of lift my spirits. And yeah, we're all feeling pretty sad about Rush. But one thing I wanted to say, I would love for her to be able to hear this. Catherine, um, I'd love to thank her for being here for all of us through this, because we certainly need her. And I hope she knows that we're here for her, too. And you, you've got a whole staff of people, and I'm going to, you know, from Bo Snurdly, my our friend James Golden, and Dawn, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to, Mike, I can't name everybody, so I'm not going to, but it's, let me tell you, I've been in touch with all of them. I know them all. Oh, here's something. I love them all. They're great people, and they're, they're, they're devastated. It's, um, it's just been very, very sad. Um, it's been nice ahead, to me. So, I what do you want to say? Rush, like, I've spoken to Rush like twice, and uh, I kind of feel bad for telling him that my parents named to be Danger because they're hippies. <laughs> that, nah, he loves they're it. They're not hippies. But, um, yeah, I, I do appreciate it. She's afraid. She, she does a good impersonation of Joe Biden, but I think she got a little shy. Well, but, all you have to man, do is act right. confused, and you'll do a pretty good imitation of Joe Biden. Right? No kidding. <laughs> but Amber, anyways, I got to run, but listen, do me a favor. You. Don't wait 10 years to call me or eight years since I talked to you. You got to call more I often. Think you I think you knew she'd keep me so busy. I wouldn't have time to do anything. Well, I'll give kidding. Kaylin a, a hug time. from uh, her distant uncle um, who might have, I guess, played a, a slight role in this by offering a suggestion to you and your husband. Uh, anyway, Amber, all the best. Glad you called. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's see. We have time for one more call. Let's try Rita, Long Island, New York. What's up, Rita? How are you? Uh, hi, Sean. How are you? That's right. I was born and raised Long Island, New York. What's going Long on? Long Island. Um, listen, what can we do, us, the, the, the little people, to stop this takeover, this you know, the executive orders and uh, the Democrats in Congress just bypassing all due process? to get these bills through and um, take all these actions and try to take away our freedoms. What can we, me, myself, what can I do? Okay. First of all, we're all little people. Let's, let's just be straight here. This is one big effort. 
Um, I said after Russia's passing, nobody's ever going to replace him. I mean, I mean that. It's impossible to replace Babe Ruth. Oh, my but we all have to up our can. game. We all have to up our game. And we, the little people that matter, they're overreaching. They're, they have misinterpreted these election results. And as a result, this is not going to end well for them. And it's our job to make sure that we stay in this battle. Look, if you go back to the early days of coronavirus, you know, your governor in New York had an 87 percent approval rating. Now the Democrats, it's not Republicans, are leading the effort to impeach him. See, political winds shift and turn very quickly. And when they do, conservatism, who we are, what we stand for, what works for we the people, will will be back in fashion and will win elections again. I promise you. This is not this, you know, I know it's Donald Trump in exile today, but things change. And one of the okay. ways they're going to change is that we stay engaged, involved, and that means, you know, making the phone calls, electing the right people, letting, trying to educate everybody that doesn't know about what conservatives really believe in. All right. Okay, Does I that can help do that. you? That does help me. But how, with the elections, how can we be, you know, make sure that what happened in November doesn't happen again? Well, that's why I did the last half hour. I went through the whole list of everything that we need to fix and the things that the Democrats want to do not to fix these things. We got to we got to win that conflict. We got to win that battle. And it's it's going to be the states that will matter are Georgia and Pennsylvania. And it's going to matter in Michigan. It's going to matter in Wisconsin. It matter. Frankly, it matters all over the country. Americans have a right to know, to have faith, confidence and the integrity of our election system. And that's it. And Florida is the best case in point. They've proven they can get things right. You know, the minimum wage raising it to $15 an hour is very popular, like the COVID relief package more broadly. I, I do wonder if, if if it wasn't in this package, like, do you think you could win a floor vote on it? If you if you just said up or down. Oh, no, 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 you couldn't. No, OK. <laughs> no, 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 you could not. As of now, there's not one Republican who will support a fifteen dollar an hour minimum. You just what you're saying. Just to be clear here, is that if you were in a filibuster world and you need ten Republican votes, you're saying there's no, there's not ten Republican votes to to to, to no. raise the wage. The, oh, let me be very clear about this. The only way hmm. that we are going to raise the minimum wage is through reconciliation or ending the filibuster. In my view, I do not see in the foreseeable future getting significant support from Republicans. All right, as we continue along, let's get back to our phones. Uh, we have some interesting stuff we're going to tell you in the next segment. Top of the hour, news roundup, information overload hour. Great Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Uh, let us say hi to Daniels in North Carolina. Where in North Carolina are you, Daniel? Uh, good old Yadkin County. Yes, sir. What's going on? Glad you called. Yeah, well, thanks a bunch. I've watched the liberals uh, chip away at our rights. Uh, chip away at our freedoms. And um, they're not just chipping it away anymore uh, as of this election. I mean, I think they took a big wet bite out of it. And uh, I just don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean, I don't think our representatives are listening to us for the most part. I don't think, uh, you know, our vote matters anymore because it can be stolen. I believe in my heart of hearts it was stolen. Uh, and I'm just, I know that we've got the, well, let me give you the short answer. Do you believe yeah. conservatism works? Absolutely. Okay. Do you believe 
that the, the left is overreaching now? Yes, they are. Do you believe the American people are going to see what you and I now see over time? Yes, I just hope it's not too late. Well, you always got to worry. The damage is real. I'm not going to, but elections have consequences, right? So the answer yes, is within the, the, your answers to me, the answer to your broader question is in that formula. And that is that the more people know and the more people see and the more that these policies fail and the more power they try to accumulate for themselves and the more aware people become of it, that then will allow the reemergence of conservatism and hence the ebb and flow of the political cycles. And that's how we right. win. And the goal right now should be to fix what's happening with the election systems at the state level so we can win in 2022. That's your mission. I have now deputized you. Go out and conquer the world. Anyway, appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN. News Roundup. Information Overload Hour next. Stay right here for our final News Roundup and Information Overload. Hi, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show. I found this story fascinating. So Los Angeles, again, you, you look at the differing states. We had Christy Nome on Hannity last night. We see that Governor DeSantis, when you compare his handling of coronavirus and even vaccine distribution, I know friends that are getting it at their public grocery store. Um, it, it's just night and day. It's like they never shut down South Dakota. OK, it's not as densely populated as New York or Los Angeles. I got it. There are differences. And but even factoring all that in, you can't say that about Florida and Florida schools are open. And one, one thing that remained constant with the medical experts getting pretty much everything wrong, including the great Dr. Fauci. And but the one thing that did remain consistent and constant throughout the entire pandemic was that older people, compromised immune systems, underlying conditions, comorbidities, they were most at risk of dying. Um, OK, now, if schools are open in Florida and they did so successfully, and all these other red states, and they're shutting them down all over California, same in New York and other places, you know, you have to say, well, why have they not learned the lessons and from the success of other states, right? Common sense. Now, we have in Los Angeles, they've got this Los Angeles Unified Computer Screens, okay? This is where the Zoom learning is going on for kids. Well, parents are planning to go dark. They are planning, I've never heard this before, a a Zoom blackout to increase pressure on the districts to reopen the schools. Now, a couple of things. Now, should we be with the vaccine putting teachers at the top of the list? I would. I think, like, for example, I, the New York Times had a calculator, and I think I came in at the, the 268 millionth person that would get the vaccine. And I, I didn't even factor in, believe it or not, I am considered an essential worker being in the mob and the media although I'm not part of the mob, um, because I'm in the press. It's it's viewed as essential work. I could apply and get it earlier, but I don't think it's the right thing to do. To I, I think there are other people more deserving, more in need of the vaccine than me. And I've had opportunities. People call me and say, hey, I, I know this local um, uh, doc in the box. They're giving out vaccines. They, they have a bunch of extra doses. You want to get yours today, which would be perfectly legal. But I don't feel right about doing it. And I'd rather rather go to somebody that's more, you know, more in need of it or somebody more essential than I am. Anyway, so they're going to have this Zoom blackout. Listen to this report on KABC in Los Angeles. 
KBC 7, a news report on this planned blackout. I'll probably just play a little bit of it so you get a feel of what they're doing. State legislators have agreed on a $6.5 billion proposal to get students back into classrooms. The Safe and Open Schools plan would triple the funding for schools and require county public health departments to offer vaccinations to school staff who return to in-person classes. That move can't come soon enough. As Eyewitness News reporter Leticia Juarez explains, some LAUSD parents are so frustrated that schools aren't open, they're calling for a Zoom blackout on Monday. I've had teachers message me saying they're ready, they want to go back. Betty Goodbye, like many parents these days, is frustrated. The mother of three school-age children says they are also ready to return to the classroom. But while L.A. County health officials have given the Los Angeles Unified School District the green light to resume in-person learning, there is still no timeline for it. Science has said, experts have said, doctors have said, it's time to open schools. And I read today, Pasadena has opened schools. Calabasas has opened their schools. Many cities are opening their schools. Why is LA County lagging? LAUSD is waiting to reopen until its staff has been vaccinated. Superintendent Austin Butner says the focus needs to be especially on communities most impacted by the coronavirus. The point, since we're serving the hardest hit communities, why aren't we taking care of them first? Why aren't we vaccinating them today? It would take less than 1% of the doses coming to the state of California the next over the next two weeks to reopen all of our elementary school classrooms. But parents are calling the district's mandate an excuse as it struggles to come to an agreement with United Teachers Los Angeles Union, which is opposing reopening schools for what they deem health and safety reasons. Right, let me USD jump in received. at this point and, and let everybody understand. So this is what's happening out there. Now, there's a parent union that supports this Zoom blackout uh, in protest over teachers unions and blocking that are blocking the reopening of the classrooms. Now, we can get the vaccine to the teachers because we, 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 we we're giving out what well, we were giving out when Donald Trump was president a million a day. Bloomberg has a piece out today that that is dramatically slowed. But putting that aside for a second, these parents are fed up. Anyway, joining us, she is the president of the California Policy Center. Uh, Celeste Feeler is with us in a parent union overseeing a billboard that was erected Monday calling out the school districts and the unions. And uh, Will Swaim is with us, president of the California Policy Center. Uh, Celeste, by the way, is the parent union who put the billboard up just to get it straight. Um, thank you both. Let me start with you, Will Swain. Tell us uh, about this effort. Do you think what percentage of parents you think are going to take part of this Zoom blackout? Well, uh, the first blackout happened uh, this past Monday, Sean. I was up there. I live down in Orange County, but I drove up for the event with a few of our parent union leaders. There were about 400 parents and kids out there. I, I interviewed 12 of them. I'm a former reporter, uh, not one of whom describes himself or herself as a conservative. One lady holding up a sign that said, defund the teachers union told me she is a blue state liberal progressive. And what's important about this, Sean, is that this is the union's best people. These are their allies who have turned against them in this moment. I think this is a real crisis for the union, and I can imagine this blackout actually growing across the state. Uh, parents and teachers are just really frustrated with the union's uh, obstructionism. Tell us about this, Celeste. Uh, I know a lot of parents all around the country. Again, a lot of these draconian measures in states run by liberal Democrats for decades, and red states are doing a lot better, and their schools are open. Um, parents are fed up with this Zoom experiment. How much support do you have? 
You're right, Sean. Uh, as a parent in the Coachella Valley in the Riverside County, I fully support the parents of L.A. Uh, having a Zoom blackout and continuing this. And it is spreading throughout um, Southern California or all across California, I should say. A Zoom doesn't work. It hasn't worked for so many. And L.A. Uh, Unified received $2 billion to open up. That's with a B. Billion. Um, enough is enough. Uh, my district uh, received in the Desert Sands in uh, La Quinta, California, received $56 million. What is going on? Everything is open except schools. Uh, the same people that say that schools are unsafe and not tell it safe. But wait a minute, uh, but that wasn't people- true just up until recently because all restaurants were closed down, even for the Super Bowl. Well, uh, they're outside. They're dining outside. Some, some here are actually having people come into the restaurants. Um, but the same people that who, who say that schools are unsafe uh, are the same people out vacationing, eating at these restaurants, sitting in uh, salons, and even some teachers teaching from motorhomes. So, yeah, we've had enough of this. You know, nobody's thinking about uh, the children in the system, the children who are abused and neglected, the homeless families, the special need children, and the children who suffer from mental illness due to this pandemic. All right, we continue our discussion about the, quote, Zoom blackout out in Los Angeles uh, with Will Swaim. He's the president of the California Policy Center. Celeste Feeler, parent union, uh, overseeing this billboard calling for this Zoom blackout. What is the biggest mm-hmm. complaint or reason that the unions and teachers are giving not to go back to the classroom, especially in light of the fact that we can get vaccines to every teacher in the L.A. school district, uh, if we wanted, probably within a week. Sean, I want to point out that the the vaccine, when it was, you know, six months ago before the vaccine looked like it would even be finished this year, when the only person really saying that it could happen was Donald Trump, the teachers union wasn't talking about vaccines. Uh, they were talking about a panoply of Bernie Sanders kinds of issues that would that would have to be satisfied before they'd go back to school. They weren't talking about vaccines. They were talking about defunding the police. They were talking about direct welfare payments to the undocumented, a wealth tax, a millionaire tax, universal basic income, universal health care. Uh, as I say, a Bernie Sanders agenda, they said, would be necessary before they would go back. Well, well, what does that have to do with reading, writing, math and learning? Uh, what, what does any of that have to do with school? Nothing. purposes for the union. It's a distraction, as Celeste says, it, it really has nothing to do with it, but it's a distraction from the failure of the union to deliver education in the best of times. The union has failed to deliver education to poor kids in California. If you're rich, you can opt out and go to a private school. If you're middle class, your schools are probably at least moderately okay. If you're poor in California, you are getting the government cheese of education. It is among the worst education systems in the country. Thank God for Mississippi. So what a lot of people don't understand is that the union... Well, that, that is, that is such a cheap shot against Mississippi. You, 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 you live in the United Socialist State of California. Seriously? <laughs> Where, you know, people in California now, a, instead of saying, hey, dude, are saying, hey, comrade. Go ahead. Not intended as a cheap shot to our friends in Mississippi. Just intended to say that the only thing keeping us from being number 51 in the country is the state of Mississippi. So... Um, and we do live in a socialist state where the unions earn about a billion dollars per year. Sean, one billion with a B in union dues, and they spend that electing people. All right, I'm getting like the all this, but, of school boards. but but if we got the vaccine, 
Celeste, I'll let you in. We have the vaccine. So what is there? Why the mysterious reluctance and resistance? Although Fauci said this week it blew me away. Well, I'm not sure if if even vaccinated grandparents can see their kids. I'm like, what? What, What's the point of the vaccine then? So you know, I, I t- we, we don't get it either. Um, you know, so, yes, you're right. The vaccine is there. They're actually pushed before uh, other essential workers that have been working the entire time. So they're delaying this. It's like, is it about COVID or is it political? Uh, you know, we, we just don't know. I, I, I mean, they have the opportunity to get their vaccine. We've pushed them to the front of the line. Well, exactly. So they're at the front of the line and then I'm asking. So they don't give a good reason for not wanting to go back in the classroom. There is no good reason. Is that what we're concluding here? Right. There is no reason that our kids should not be in the classroom. I I, I tend to agree with both of you. All right. Now, if parents want to participate, I guess this just means that they just don't tune into the Zoom classes of their kids and... I watch what happens next. Then they're going to penalize those kids with low grades. That'll be the next thing that emerges out of this. Exactly. Um, And and this is why, you know, it comes down to it's opened a lot of parents' eyes that we need school choice. We need that money to follow the student directly. Um, We need to be and and to save our youth at this point, we're going to need school choice and we're going to need teachers to opt out of this mob. Um, You know, the teachers that do want to go back, there are, you know, there is a, a majority of them that do, but they're afraid to stand up and speak up. But they're, as they pay their dues, they're only fighting themselves. So it makes zero sense. So we need to get teachers on board on opting out of this union, uh, you know, all the teachers union, and, and have school choice. Yeah, let me pick up on that if I can, Sean. Yeah, go ahead. What Celeste, is refer- what Celeste is referring to is California Policy Center. If your listeners go there, go to CaliforniaPolicyCenter.org. We're helping teachers. We're helping all public employees opt out of the unions that are actually making their own lives miserable using their own money against them politically to destroy the great state of California. And this is all hinged on what your listeners probably know as the Janus decision in the Supreme Court, but it allows public employees the right, the right to not pay dues to these political organizations that are destroying education, our roads, our forests, you name it. The problems in California are funded by these union dues, and workers don't have to put up with that. You know, the union, the teachers union, may not want to hear from their own members, many of whom are contacting us to get the hell out of the union, pardon my language, but we want to hear from them. And if they go to our website, CaliforniaPolicyCenter.org, they can, we, we will help them get out of the union now and save their money. All right, I want to thank you both. Uh, Will Swain, thank you, and Celeste Feeler. Um, my heart goes out to everyone. Look, th- this is the problem with these states and these agendas and this radicalism. California is a preview of coming attractions for the entire country. And that is, I'm not overstating this. This is a, and this is the problem I have with people leaving California, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Don't go to Texas, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee, or Mississippi and bring your left-wing radicalism with you because if you do, you will only ruin the state you're going to. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break right back. Your call's on the other side. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Um, All right, you know, one of the things, I'm looking at my call screener here. I got Ian is in Nevada. 
I got Dave in Florida, and they're both talking about the same thing. You know what nobody's noticed yet? I'm noticing. Now, you might say, Hannity, you're an, you're an overpaid TV person and, and radio person. And, and let me set the record straight. All these idiots you see on TV, yeah, they're all overpaid, including myself. I've done real work for most of my life. This is nothing in comparison, and I would argue... The only problem is, is, you know, we do make companies money and it's based on what we can make them, but whatever. Um, and I just, uh, that's why the elitists, oh, they drive me nuts. The thing that has frustrated me the most is this abuse of power by Biden. And the fact that nobody will say openly, pretty much but us, that he's weak, frail and struggling cognitively, which is obvious to everybody. But the thing that bothers me the most, you bypass an entire branch of government supposed to have co-equal branches, the legislative branch, everything executive fiat, and the callousness by which they, with a stroke of a pen, are, are signing pink slips for tens of thousands of our fellow Americans while simultaneously doing something very dumb in terms of our national security. That's, again, creating dependence on foreign oil and energy, the lifeblood of the world's economy, and for the first time in 75 years, we were energy independent. And it frustrates me that people that had high paying, highly skilled career jobs, paying six figures, really good careers, and it's wiped away. And then the callousness by which liberal Democrats, the coastal elites of New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Portland are out there. Oh, yeah, we want you to get another job. Another union job while simultaneously opening the borders, meaning millions of more people now will be competing for any open jobs. And, oh, yeah, we're doing all of this during the middle of a pandemic. It drives me nuts. The average person that is already taxed to death. Now we're all seeing dramatic increases at the price of a gallon of gas at the pump. We're seeing it. We're all going to be paying more to heat our homes and cool our homes. Because we're all going to pay more for energy. Then if you want to add, you know, insult to injury here, you could say we're making Putin rich again. The Iranian mullahs rich again. Middle Eastern countries that hate our guts rich again and China rich again. But Joe Biden is respected. <laughs> OK, that, that's their argument. I just the lives of people matter. Stroke of a pen taking away jobs. You've impacted now. You're, you're driving up the price of energy in this country, the lifeblood of our economy at the worst time. Now, I'm going to put Ian and Dave on together. Ian is a trucker and Dave is in Florida. Ian is talking about, I guess, you, you what kind of, you drive an 18-wheeler, Ian? Yeah, I drive over the road, all 48, lower 48, coast to coast. That's awesome. Now, and let me tell you, that is a hard, hard job, right? Uh, most days it can be. Yeah. Depending I mean, on, I, I, we got all the the weather plus the other cars on the road and trying not to tip our own truck at the same time. No, listen, it is a real skill. And, and you got to keep your focus for long periods of time. I know it's heavily regulated. How many hours are you allowed to drive straight? Uh, I'm allowed to drive 11 hours straight, and I have to have a 30-minute break after every eight hours. Mm -hmm. uh, I have four different clocks that I have to pay attention to for a week. 
Yeah. I have a eight hour break clock, eleven hour drive clock, fourteen hour shift clock, and a seventy hour week. Man, that's you can work seven. All right, so you're earning every penny now. When they raise the price of of diesel or the price of fuel, what does that do to your bottom line? Well, that, that's the thing is is most of us that that own our trucks like I do. We, we work on a very fine line um, from what we're getting paid per load to what we're expending every week. And if it goes up even 20, 30 cents, it cuts into what we make, and that's, that's significant to us. Um, and when rates go down for these loads, it makes it even worse because we'll end up having to pay to do our job. I, I what is so you're an owner operator, right? Okay. Yes. And you and and you you're saying you could actually lose money as a result of this? Yeah. If depending on all of my deductions, my truck payment, insurance, fuel, and all that, um, what a lot of people don't know is we don't get paid by the hour. We get paid for every mile we drive. Wow. And if the load that we take is say two dollars a mile. And it's costing me three or four dollars a mile just to keep my truck on the road with maintenance and fuel and insurance. I'll end up having to pay just to be able to take that load somewhere. Unbelievable! So I actually met this guy. He sells uh, Freightliners in Greensboro, North Carolina. I mean, the guy's been doing it for fifty-five years. And I, I we I talked at length with the guy. About about the trucking, I know for, I have friends of mine in the trucking business, and um, it's it's if you want to make money, you got to work your ass off. That's the bottom line. And I know some people. Yeah, I, I I work. I drive. I usually drive my clock out every day, so I usually end up with about a half an hour. So that means I'm working. I'm on the road for ten and a half hours a day. That doesn't include me stopping to check my truck in the morning when I first start out. When I check it at night, getting fuel, all that, I end up working 12, 13 hours a day. How do you like sleeping in that, that cab in the back of, of the, behind where you drive? I mean, they, I well, know they, they myself, put TVs in it and all sorts of, you know, refrigerators <laughs> and you have food and stuff. But do you like, do you get rest sleeping back there? Yeah, actually I do. Uh, when I'm by myself, yeah, right now I have my wife and dog with me. So it yeah. can get a little tight, but I mean, <laughs> it, it's actually not bad. I mean, it's it, it's, no, it's big enough. Listen, for what I everybody need. needs to understand this one thing about how important you are to our economy. Every single thing in every single store that we casually go in and expect to pay low prices for got there by a truck. Every single one. Yeah, and I and and, and that is the lifeblood. De- and they learned it over the summer. Some of these communities learned that if a truck's not there, you don't have anything. And a lot of them learned it with, and I still don't understand this, the toilet paper. No, I don't get it either. And, and I mean, if trucks aren't there, and it's not even just the things you buy in the store. It's everything you have. That includes your house, your car, everything. 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 Everything Uh, um, that we do in our lives has touched a truck at one point or another. Dave in Florida, uh, you're looking at the the price of gas going through the roof down there like everywhere. Yes, sir, I am. What's your thoughts on this? 
Um, my thoughts on that is basically, yeah, it's basically insane. The, the whole thing with fuel prices going through the roof is absolutely nuts. Um, we shouldn't be dependent on anybody uh, for our fuel. And basically, if I was to ask you just a pointed question, kind of a civics question, um, if I was to ask you, what if I asked you about what's the definition to you of treason, what would you say? Uh, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, you know it when you see it. It's one of those things. Remember the old the line mm-hmm. about pornography? I know it when I see it. Um, right. I know it when I see it. In other words, that you would you would betray your country, your fellow countrymen, mm-hmm. the values, the principles that right. that are fundamental to this country's success. I mean, what separates us first and foremost from other countries is our belief in we the people, and second, a belief in natural rights endowed by our creator, not by government, and that government is empowered by the people, and uh, those that would want to overturn that system that has been so successful and turn it on its head, you know, do I think it's treason? Uh, it's, it's, I, I would know it when I see it. I, it's, it's, a, it's degrees... There are people that take positions that have no idea. Those that would want to destroy entire parts of society and run rampant and allow anarchy, that that scares me because that would hurt our country. That's why I say wherever I see violence, I condemn it. It's not that hard to do. I, I and I agree about, you know, condemning the violence. Uh, the main thing that, you know, I'm, that has been that's blown me away is that how our elected officials um, and I'm not I'm not saying on one side, I'm saying on both sides of the coin. Um, basically, what are you doing to better your country? And the, the deals and things that you were making, like you mentioned with the oil and everything that's hurting us right now, um, is going back to these countries, like you have said many times before, because I've listened to you for, for quite a while. Uh, they, they absolutely hate us. And the, thing, the policies and things that I see that they're trying to push is not building our country. It's, it's excuse me for saying so, I'm not trying I'm not. I'm not just trying to say anything insightful or anything, but it's destroying us. I mean, these policies, just look at the simple act of the new green deal and stopping the Dakota pipeline or the Keystone XL pipeline. Then soon it'll be Dakota pipeline and every pipeline and Anwar and just, you know, the callousness by which they will just take people's jobs and careers and throw them out the window and casually tell you to go get another job. That to me is it, I, it. It makes me beyond angry because I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like. You got a rent payment, or else you're out. I got it. All right, Dave, hang in there. Ian, listen, kiss your wife and dog for me. All right. Appreciate hey, you being. Appreciate all you do. That green New Deal is yes, how sir. do they expect all these wind turbines and blades and solar panels to get to those fields without big trucks? <laughs> Good luck. I mean, I don't think they've thought that deeply. I don't think they've thought it through like you do, you have and I have. Uh, Mike in Alabama. Mike, Mike's a farmer. I love farmers. I'd love to be a farmer. You know, I, on my worst days, I'm like, I wish I was on a farm or on a ranch somewhere. Um, how are you, my friend? What do you grow? Corn and soybeans. Nice. How big is your farm? And, uh, it's uh, 1,500 acres. Wow. It's a lot of work. And, uh, yeah, it, it is, and uh, on the tractor right now. Matter of fact, me and my dog. My dog's in the floorboard, trying to get over the corn ground. And uh, but uh, 
but this fuel, the fuel has really got us. Uh, I mean, these tractors burn 200 gallons a day that we're running, and uh, and then the fertilizer has just jumped up $180 a ton. Uh, and we, you know, there's it's nothing to use 100 tons of fertilizer. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, ever since the pipeline shut down, everything's gone up at same like. And, and let uh, me tell you what that means but, uh, for everyone listening to you that may not appreciate farmers the way I do, because that's hard work you're describing, you know, uh, and that means you're going to pay more for food in the grocery store, because by the time it gets to you, uh, which takes a while, and one of those truckers like Ian brings it to the grocery store and you take it off the shelf, everyone's going to pay more for everything. It's going to impact every aspect of the economy, every aspect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It sure is. I'll tell you what, you can host the show for a week. I'll go down and be a farmer, but you got to tell me what to do because I'd screw it up badly. Uh, it's, it's nothing to it. You just punch a few buttons. It'll it'll drive itself. <laughs> just punch a few <laughs> buttons and don't crash it? Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll beep when you get to the end of the field. Then you grab <laughs> the steering wheel then and turn around. So. <laughs> oh, man, so, you're cracking me up. Well, you're out in the hot sun, though, and so. you know what? Every time I'm going to take my bite of my ear of corn this summer, I'm going to be thinking of you. Uh, thanks for what you do, Mike. Appreciate Good. it. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. These are, you listen, we just talked to a trucker. We just talked to a farmer. Talked to a hardworking American. This is, this is now we all suffer under dumb policies. Elections matter. What can I do? Well, the first thing is work with your state legislators and your governors, and, and make sure we bring integrity and confidence back to our electoral system and fix and not let H.R. 1 become the law of the land. Next thing you're going to do is elect people that understand conservatism and the need for energy independence. Let's start there. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Busy Hannity tonight. Hope you'll set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Fox News, for Hannity, news you won't get from the media mob. Don Jr., Mark Meadows, Candace Owens. Tommy Laren, Dan Bongino, and Dave Bossy, and much more. 9 Eastern, say DVR, Hannity, Fox News, news you won't get from the rest of the media. As always, thank you for being with us. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow, and have a great evening. <laughs>